this episode, we're going to go through the idea of fatalism. Uh, we're going to address a number of different definitions, and we're going to see at the end of the day, are Calvinists fatalists? Are we fatalistic? Um, just how far can you take that particular accusation? Uh, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to a buddy on Twitter by the name of Skeeto. His uh, Twitter name is at S-K-E-T-O. Uh, I want to thank him. He's done a, a, put out a lot of effort of spreading this podcast around, um, letting people know about it. And I have no doubt that probably 90% of, the, of you listening to this podcast at the moment ended up here by means of him. So I just want to say thanks a lot. Keep it up. Um, certainly a lot more than I could have done myself up and through this point in time. Um, he's also mentioned that, he, you know, the reason he has appreciated this podcast is because it helped him realize some of his own inconsistencies as a Calvinist. And that is, of course, the dual purpose of this particular show is not just to refute the other side, but also to call Calvinists to a higher level of consistency. Because I do believe that um, so many of the arguments that we have come to blows and then people go away and it almost reaches like a stalemate and people just walk away and say, oh, well, you know, we're not going to get anywhere. I really do believe that that Calvinism, um, the theological position, is is strong enough not to just, you know, defend itself, but also to go on the attack and actually, you know, go for the killing blow. So if you happen to be one of those people who is finding this uh, podcast useful, please uh, spread it out to, you know, your friends the people who you debate with, and um, we'll see if we can keep this thing going. So back to the question at hand, are Calvinists fatalists? My answer to that question is no, because fatalism is more than just a recognition that things are determined. As you're going to see when we read these definitions, fatalism includes a, a mindset and an application of what I believe to be an illogical false assumption based upon things being determined, but nonetheless, it is a mindset and an application of, of an attitude of resignation towards events, right? It's just this, well, since it's going to happen, why bother to do anything type of attitude, right? That is inherent in fatalism, okay? So when you're accusing somebody of being a fatalist, you're basically accusing them of having that mindset, okay? Now, just because you're not a Calvinist and you disagree with things being determined, just because your false assumption is... Well, if everything was determined, therefore, fatalism would follow. That doesn't mean you get to accuse people who believe that all things are determined of having that same mindset, right? And so I'm not going to deny that you can't, you know, search, search high and low and find a particular definition that somebody somewhere is calling fatalism and make it sort of line up with Calvinism. Uh, if that's really the road you want to go down, uh, fine. I just think it's pretty obvious that you're not trying to um, put forth an honest representation of a particular view. You got to realize when you throw these accusations around, uh, the people who hear that, who hear you saying you Calvinists are fatalists, if, if they don't know exactly what that word means, they're going to go Google it, and they're going to be reading the definitions that I'm reading in this episode. Right? They're going to read these definitions, and as you'll see, this this stuff ain't Calvinism, guys. Right? The only thing that you're going to see in these definitions that Calvinism might have in common is things being determined. Um, but as you'll see this play out, um, everybody, everybody's worldview has aspects of things being determined. A lot of these definitions of fatalism um, can be flipped around on the other side, and it just comes down to what are, are you really being honest when you go down this road? And I, I just have to ask the free will side. You've got the idea of determinism, which is so clearly a more accurate representation of what Calvinism puts forth, what I have consistently put forth in these episodes. 
right? Full-blown determinism. And then you have fatalism. And you just have to ask yourself, if you could call me one or the other, why would you seek to call me a fatalist instead of a determinist? Something I've openly affirmed. And there's only one thing I can assume out of that, and that's, unfortunately, a little bit of dishonesty on your part, right? It's because you want to spark a negative aspect in people's minds, this fatalistic mindset that we're going to show that these definitions have. You want that to spark in people's minds so that they'll shy away from my particular view, right? And um, I just think that's sad. Um, maybe I'm not trying to be presumptive on people's parts, but those of you who do level this accusation of fatalism, please rethink it, right? Listen through in this episode, listen to the definitions, and just rethink going down that road in the future. That's all I ask, all right? So what I'd like to do before we start reading definitions is just go over the basic difference um, between a fatalistic idea versus a deterministic idea. And so you can sort of see how the, the, real, the only real thing that these two views or definitions or, or words I should say have in common is the fact that particular things are going to happen. They're determined to happen and yet the attitude that it conveys in people's minds as to uh, how they view those events or what comes before those events or the part that they play in those events are drastically different as you're going to see. So the most obvious problem with this idea of fatalism First of all, when Calvinists are accused of being fatalists, um, the most common thing a Calvinist should be saying is, first of all, define the, define the term. But what most people mean is that, well, X, Y, or Z is going to happen, and therefore your effort doesn't matter, right? Why try? Why, why combat evil? If, you know, why preach the gospel? All these false assumptions that come against Calvinism on a constant basis. This demonstrates um, this fatalistic idea of hopelessness or pointlessness to human effort. And what's funny about this is this is based upon the non-Calvinist false assumption um, that th they are basically assuming from the start a fatalistic uh, viewpoint and then trying to accuse Calvinists of that very attitude, that fatalistic attitude. And this is where the problem comes in. So very, very simply... Um, fatalism is just going to basically say that particular events are predetermined or, or inevitable or fated to happen. And they're going to happen regardless of what you do, or they're going to happen regardless of what anybody does, or they're going to happen regardless of what comes before them. The major difference between that and a, a determinist viewpoint is that a determinist like myself would say that everything happens for a reason. And so, yes, particular things, or I would say all things, as we'll get to, but particular things are predetermined or determined to happen. They're going to come to pass, but they're going to come to pass precisely because of what comes before them, not in spite or in spite of or regardless of what comes before them. They are going to come to pass precisely because of what comes before them, okay? And so what you'll notice as we go through these definitions of fatalism, they are usually focused on bad things rather than good things. Right? It's a very dismal world worldview. Um, they usually all have an attitude of submission attached to them, like, what's the point? Or, it do, my efforts don't matter. And there's also, um, there's no real rhyme, real rhyme or reason to what those events are or why they're happening. You know, reasons aren't mentioned. Um, there's no mention of causality at all. As you're going to see, um, determinism is based 
100% on causality and a connection between events so that events are leading to events are leading to events. There's, there's a connection there, right? But with all these definitions that we go through of fatalism, fatalism doesn't really convey the idea of causality at all, right? Or causative connections between what you're looking at and what comes before or after them. Also, the idea of quote-unquote events is undefined in all of these things. And so you really sort of have to ask, you know, especially in the definitions that don't say all events, which events are you talking about? And this brings me to another important point of the difference between a fatalism and determinism is that fatalism often starts with, with you. It starts, it starts with the person, and we look out at events, right, that are outside of us, and we're, we're looking at those as the events. And therefore, we then look back at our actions and think that they're pointless or whatnot. But a deterministic worldview is more looking at, the, at, at reality from the top down. And it's focusing on the fact that you are included in that web of causes and effects, right? You don't transcend it. You're not separate from it. You are part of the picture. So it looks at it more from the top down and tries to see the big picture and realize that you play a part in it, right? So these definitions of fatalism, as you're, as you're going to see, almost every single one of them drives a wedge between these quote-unquote events and human actions or choices or effort okay this is going to be a very common theme throughout these definitions and before one one more quick thing before we sort of jump into definitions i just want to give an example that i always thought served a purpose it's just a a, a little analogy and that is that you know a determinist and a fatalist are on a boat and a passenger falls over the fatalist immediately says don't worry if he's fated to live he'll live we don't need to do anything the determinist immediately says, but what if it's fated or determined that we throw him a rope? Right? So you see very clearly in that cheesy example, two important differences in, in the, the worldviews of those particular people. You got the fatalist and the determinist. The fatalist assumes that his effort is completely irrelevant to the outcome of a particular event. Whereas the determinist assumes that his effort is completely part of the picture of a particular outcome, right? His effort can have a determinative connection to, in this case, whether or not somebody lives. So just keep that in mind as we start going through these uh, definitions. So the first definition I'm going to read comes from merriamwebster.com. By the way, I'm just going to go down Google's results um, in terms of their top 10 um, websites or whatever. And the definition that I'm going to read from Merriam-Webster is actually a definition that Leighton Flowers has used in his own podcasts, particular episodes throughout the past. So we'll start with this one. And this one pretty much sums up what I just laid out, right? This fatalistic attitude. Quote, a doctrine that events are fixed in advance so that human beings are powerless to change them. Now, the reason this sounds good to the other side and they think that it is applicable to Calvinism is this basic idea that events are fixed in advance. And they say, oh, ha-ha, Calvinists say that all events are fixed in advance. So this must be applicable. But notice something important about this definition. Why would it even mention that human beings are powerless to change them? If the effort of human beings, if the choices of human beings are part of the events that are fixed then it doesn't make any sense to bring them up in the first place, right? It wouldn't even make any sense to, to bring that up. And this is why when it starts talking about 
events are fixed in advance, it it conveys this idea that events are separate from human beings and their efforts. This is Im this is implied by the very definition itself. And so I just have to ask, when it says a doctrine that events are fixed in advance, what events? Right? What events? It doesn't say this. Notice this definition does not say all events. It just says events. That's very vague. And that can be very subjective, right? I might look out in the world and consider something an event that you might not care about, or vice versa, right? And even if you're going to say all events, when you then follow that up with human beings are powerless to change them, you imply that human beings and their efforts are not part of the events that are fixed. Because if they were, it would make no sense to even say they're powerless to change them, right? If, if human beings and their efforts are part of the events that are fixed in advance, then the second half of the definition doesn't really make any sense. But I want to point something very important out from this first definition right off the bat, and that is that if you're going to drive a wedge between events that are fixed in advance and human beings and their efforts being powerless to change them, if you're going to drive that wedge, then the de this definition or this idea of fatalism could be applicable to almost any Christian worldview from the start, even a free will worldview, if you stop and think about it. Because I think even free will proponents would be forced to admit that there are particular things that God determined to happen, or predestined to happen. I mean, we just went over a couple episodes ago, we talked about the idea of corporate election put forth by Leighton Flowers. Even Leighton Flowers says, we believe in predestination. And he explains it as, God is predestined that for example, whoever believes will be X, Y, and Z. Let's call it sanctified. Believers will be sanctified. God has predetermined that they will, right? It's the destination he set up beforehand. Well, I've got a simple question. How can that be true and free will also be true and you not be a fatalist based on this definition I just read, right? If, if you're believing that a particular event or events such as people's sanctifications is fixed in advance, you just admitted that when you said God predestined it, and yet you also believe that people have free will and they are there you know they they are powerless to change what God has predestined that believers will be sanctified right regardless of what the believer does i guess with their free will i mean that's according to this definition straight out of the book right you are believing that events are fixed in advance such as people's sanctifications and that those people are powerless to change them right because if you say, no, actually they can change them, you can change what God has predestined, you can somehow thwart the sanctification that God has predestined for you with your free will, well then it, it's not really predestination, is it? Right? You can't say that God has predetermined something for me if I can void or thwart that predetermination. So right off the bat, I find it very ironic that the, this first definition and many definitions that we're going to read of fatalism actually leave the door wide open for free will. You see, determinism completely shuts out the possibility of free will because we take human action and make it part of the picture, right? We take human action and make it part of the causative chain. And therefore, the idea of free will is completely excluded. It has no place. And determinists like myself proudly proclaim that. But based on most of the definitions of fatalism, as you're going to see, Fatalism has all the room in the world for free will because you're only looking out from yourself at particular events and concluding that you, even with your free will, are therefore powerless to change them. 
And so just depending on what events you look at, my example was people's sanctification, how would a free will proponent um, avoid my accusation of fatalism, right? You're accusing me as a Calvinist of being fatalist. I'm actually going to accuse you as a free will proponent of being a fatalist because you believe that God has predetermined particular things, and yet you also have free will. You believe that those two things are true, and that fits perfectly this definition that we just read. A doctrine that events are fixed in advance, such as God's determination of a particular person's sanctification, so that human beings are powerless to change them. Can you change what God has predetermined with your free will? Yes or no? Right? The answer is yes. You can't call it predestination in the first place. If the answer is no, then you're a fatalist. Or at least that aspect of your view can be considered fatalistic, quote-unquote. But as a determinist... If you tried to flip this back around on me and say, well, what do you say about what God has predestined or someone's sanctification? I would say that a particular person's sanctification, yes, it is fixed in advance, but so is their path to that sanctification. So is their uh, choices and the part that they play, right? It's all part of the picture. And so since I put man down into the picture... Once again, saying that man is powerless to change it almost becomes irrelevant to the, the overall view itself. And I just want to put to rest very quickly, I can hear people shouting, um, you're missing the point. The point is stuff's going to happen and you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to change it. Blah, blah, blah. Guys, I have pointed out in almost every episode I've done so far that it doesn't matter whether or not you're a Calvinist. The, the future's going to happen the way it's going to happen. You can't change it, right? even in a free will worldview. Let's let's just imagine that free will's true, right? Calvinism doesn't exist, free will's true. Somehow uh, you magically before you existed determined your entire life with your free will and God somehow magically foreknew it. Let's just pretend it's all true, right? Just ignore my first few episodes on, on refuting all that and blah blah blah. It's just all true. Free will's true. Okay? Great. How does that um in any way get get around the fact that Tomorrow you're going to do what you're going to do with your free will, and nothing's going to change that, right? I mean, God created you knowing what you would do. Uh, you can't do anything other than what God knows you'll do, period, whether or not free will is true. And merely pointing out that you had free will and you determined what you would do is irrelevant to the point that you can't then with your free will change what you determined with your free will before you existed to do. You can't use your free will to change what you're going to do with your free will tomorrow, right? It's almost irrationally um, pointless to even try to go down that road, right? Even from a free will standpoint. So the same thing holds true for, for the idea of God determining all things, right? God has determined everything, um, including what we do. Um, and so to say, well, you just can't change it, is once again trying to paint you as transcending your own existence, which is logically absurd and laughable, even in a free will viewpoint. In a free will, in a free will viewpoint, um, you're going to do what you, you're going to do tomorrow. You, you don't transcend your own existence, right? You don't transcend your own existence in, in either view, Calvinist or non-Calvinist. And so to even begin to start talking about being unable to change the future, quote-unquote future or change things is just, it's, it's a non-issue, right? And that's why I'm not giving it much more, um, much more attention than I'm going to give it right now. It's just a completely irrelevant point, right? It doesn't matter what you believe um, in terms of, of Calvinist or not, you can't change the future, period, right? 
So I just thought I'd point that out and show how ironic it is that the people who hurl the accusation of fatalism against Calvinists don't even stop to realize that this concept of fatalism, by most definitions, actually only, it only makes sense and it only works if free will were true. In other words, you have to take you and your actions and extract them and rip them out of the picture and then look over at events and say that your, your, your efforts have nothing to do with those events, right? That's the only way it works. And this is what's funny is if you dig through the Bible and you were to start talking about, for example, the verse I mentioned in Psalm 139.16, the idea that God has uh, formed your days for you, even if you were to try to say, well, that's not everything about your life. That's not, for example, your free will choices. God has formed particular things and particular events about your life. <laughs> well, you're falling straight down the road of the definition of fatalism we just read. And once again, the point that I'm making, right? Because you're basically saying that God can predetermine particular things about your life that have nothing whatsoever to do with your free will choices and efforts. That's fatalism by definition. And just an, a very obvious biblical concept that goes right down, right along these lines, is the idea of prophecy, right? There's two ways to understand prophecy. You can understand it fatalistically or deterministically, right? All of the biblical prophecies, you can either say, well, since that's determined, whatever came before it was irrelevant, that would be a fatalistic viewpoint, right? Or you could take a deterministic viewpoint and say that, Everything that came before and led up to what what is uh, prophesied or determined is part of the picture. What was prophesied took place precisely because of everything that came before it. And so, once again, what's very ironic is that if you were to just press the free will side on all these sorts of things, the fact that God has formed your days for you, or has predestined that you will be sanctified, or has given prophecy over and over again in Scripture— how do you square those things with free will? Um, they're going to be very hard-pressed to get out of that um, without appealing to a fatalistic view, right? If, if something's going to happen, if God has determined that something will happen, and you have free will, then the things you do are irrelevant to what is coming to pass. And that is, by most definitions, a fatalistic viewpoint, right? But if you don't have free will, and everything you do is part of the picture and leads up to what comes to pass, then that's a deterministic outlook. And you just have to ask yourself, which is, which is a better way to approach the Bible? And so a lot of people don't even realize that because of their, because of their commitment to free will, um, most of these issues are going to be seen from, that, from their viewpoint in a fatalistic way, Right? So the next definition comes from dictionary.com, and this is getting a little warmer. And so the definition says, quote, the acceptance of all things and events as inevitable, right? So here we have finally all things and events. So let's just include human um, choices and actions and efforts in that. All things and events are inevitable. But notice something. This still is not mentioning any sort of connection between these events. It's just saying that things are inevitable. It doesn't say why. It doesn't say who or what made them inevitable, right? As you'll see, any de any definition of determinism that we will read will include the idea of 
causal connection. But this just says that all things are inevitable. So even though you could argue that, see, this includes human effort, it still is painting this picture of, of the idea that, well, one event can be inevitable, and so can the next event, but there might not be any connection to it at all. And so you can still be left with a very negative outlook on life, right? And, and the way this is worded, the acceptance, right? You just, you just accept that everything is just inevitable, right? It's this very doom and gloom idea of, well, what will be, what will be, what will happen, will happen, so what I do doesn't matter, right? It's the, it's the attitude that, they, that these particular um, definitions can convey towards people, right? Because when you leave out things like the connection between these events, when you leave out things like who or what has done the, the predetermining of these, of these things, right? Who or what has made them inevitable and why, you're just basically saying that it's this, this, this thing called fate, that, that things are just fated, right? And there's just really no rhyme or reason to it. So even though you might be able to pinpoint a commonality in the fact that all things and events are quote-unquote inevitable, they are certain to occur and happen, when you just leave it at that, um, this, is, this, is the, this is what leads to, and the, the reason I have a problem with these sorts of accusations of, of Calvinism being you know, fatalism, is when you leave out important details, these are the types of views that spark in people's minds. The, this negative idea of, well, it's just gonna ha- what is, what's going to happen is what's going to happen, so what I do doesn't matter, right? And once again, if you're going to try to justify your use of, the, of this, you know, these particular def- definitions, um, it's very easily, once again, turned back on you, right? The acceptance of all things and events is inevitable. Um, do you believe that the future is fixed? Right? I think every Christian does, right? God knows the future. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He knew it all before he even created. So whether you're a Calvinist or not, you are basically committing this definition once again. You're accepting that all things are inevitable. All events are inevitable, right? It doesn't matter. Once again, the definition doesn't say who or what predetermined these things. A free will viewpoint would argue, well, God predetermined some things, but I with my free will predetermined some things. Okay, that's great. But the future is still inevitable, right? Whether it's what you determined or what God determined, the future is going to happen the way it's going to happen, right? And, and, and so it, these, these definitions are very easily turned back on you, right? And it would not be accurate or fair for me to, even though I could pinpoint a simple commonality of the fact that all Christians believe that, technically speaking, all things are inevitable, right? I mean, the only worldview that can really get out of all things being inevitable would be an open theist worldview, where the future hasn't happened yet, it's completely open to what is yet to be determined. That's the only viewpoint that can get out of being somehow attached to an idea of fatalism, if you stop and think about it. But my point here is, guys, any any view, whether it's Calvinist or not, if if you want to try hard enough, you can attach a fatalistic idea to, to any worldview in Christianity, if you stop and think about it. But the question is, is it fair to do that? Is it accurate to do that? Is it honest to do that? Because when you leave out important information and just have these basic definitions of, well, all things are inevitable, 
um, you're not being fair to the other side's position. And so I'd just like to know how a, a free will proponent, how a non-Calvinist, would avoid my accusation that you are a fatalist by this very definition. Because once you admit that the future is fixed, whether it's fixed by God or by you or by a mixture of both, the point is the future is fixed. And this basic definition merely says that all things and events are inevitable. Doesn't that also make you a fatalist? And if your response to that is, no, I'm not a fatalist because, and then you start talking about how you played a part in what is, what is fixed, right, or what is inevitable, if you consider that to be sufficient to avoid the accusations of fatalism, then why don't I get to also avoid accusation of, accusations of fatalism by pointing out that God plays a part in the things that are inevitable and, and the things that are determined, Right? You're right to point out that this basic definition doesn't include why things are inevitable or how things are connected or who made them inevitable, right? So why don't I get to also point that out when you accuse me of being a fatalist? Excuse me, you left out the part where God is determining things. You left out the part where God has a purpose in all things. You left out the part where the things that you do has a determinative causative connection to what is inevitable, why don't I get to point out those things, and why isn't that a sufficient uh, avoidance of the accusa accusation of fatalism as well? So the next definition comes out of dictionary.cambridge.org, and it says that fatalism is, quote, the belief that people cannot cha change the ways events will happen, and that events, especially bad ones, cannot be avoided. And this definition you know, again, this is precisely what I would argue sparks in most people's, people's minds. This is, this is a definition that most people are going to relate to and be familiar with um, when the word fatalism is thrown around, right? It's the belief that, once again, you're separating what people do from events, quote-unquote, and saying that people cannot change the way events will happen. And you're also focusing, especially, as this definition says, especially bad events, Right? And they can't be avoided. And the implication here is that it's going to happen no matter what. Right? And the phrase no matter what, once again, in, in a deterministic worldview, the phrase no matter what has no place. Right? Because in a, if determinism is true, events are going to happen not no matter what, but precisely because of what came before them. Right? It's all the difference in the world there. And that's why this, this whole concept or phrase, no matter what, has no place in a deterministic Calvinistic worldview because the idea of something happening no matter what implies that there are other things that can be occurring that are separate from that which is determined. This is why you won't find phrases like no matter what in definitions of determinism because determinism includes all things and so the phrase no matter what is completely meaningless and, and inapplicable. Right? If you're talking about all things, then there are no no matter what's. There are no possible other things to be occurring in the first place. And yet, almost all the definitions that we're, that we're going through here in this episode of fatalism are centered around this idea of no matter what. And the implication there is, therefore, that when we're talking about things being fated or inevitable, we're not actually including all things, such as human effort. That's the implication when you use phrases like no matter what. Or when you say human, human effort is powerless to stop them. That, that is what's being conveyed 
and that is not an accurate representation of Calvinism. The next definition comes from Wikipedia, right? Can't, can't skip a Wikipedia page. And right at the top, listen closely, it says fatalism is a family of related philosophical doctrines that stress the subjugation of all events or actions. Right? Now, so here we have the word all. All events or actions to fate or destiny. Right? So this is, you know, has nothing to do with God. It's just there's this thing called fate or this thing called destiny that is doing the fading or the destining. Uh, nobody knows who or what it is. It's just this abstract idea that things are fated and things are destined. Subjugation of all events to fate or destiny and is commonly associated with the consequent attitude of resignation in the face of future events which are thought to be inevitable. So once again, um, even Wikipedia blatantly says in the first sentence that fatalism is commonly associated with the consequent attitude of resignation in the face of future events. So, once again, this is what comes to people's minds when they think of fatalism. They think, well, something's going to happen no matter what, and therefore what I do doesn't matter. What's the point of trying? Um, on and on and on. And it's a very negative outlook on life, right? This is not, again, what Calvinists believe. So it's, it's, it's putting forth in most people's minds um, a completely inaccurate representation of what we actually believe. Because we don't believe that, that our efforts are irrelevant or meaningless when it comes to particular things. We believe that our efforts play a part. Sure, ultimately it's determined by God, but that doesn't change the fact that if God is determined that something will happen, he has also determined how or why it happens, which can include our efforts and our choices and the part that we play. Okay, so when we break down all these common, you know, Calvinistic misrepresentations of, well, if God's determined who's going to be saved, then why preach the gospel? Well, we're going to preach the gospel first and foremost because God commands us to, but in light of this this overall worldview, we're going to preach the gospel precisely because we believe God is predestined that people will be saved by means of the gospel. If God has predestined that people will be saved, then He's also predestined how, where, when, and why they, they're saved. Right? He's He's also predestined that the gospel will be brought to them. And so this brings me to another important point, that we don't live our lives based upon what we think the future might be. We don't guess what the future might be and then start living our life based on that. We live our lives based upon the revealed commands of God, and which says, for example, to preach the gospel. And since we do, in fact, believe that God has determined things, we, can, we, we go forward preaching the gospel, knowing with certainty that we are playing a part, a very important part, right? So notice the difference in, in the attitudes, right? The false assumption of the non-Calvinist is, if God's predetermined something, then what's the point of my effort? The Calvinist has the exact opposite um, attitude. So I hope you're beginning to see as we go through more and more of these definitions my primary point here, guys, is not that if you dig hard enough and deep enough, you can make this basic connection that, well, things are determined, right? If, if that's all you're trying to achieve, um, then why not just go with determinism? Why are you using the word fatalism? And I think I know why you're using it. You're using it because it sparks these negative 
attitudes of resignation in people's minds, right? You're using that word to, to spark those things in people's minds, and therefore, I don't consider it an honest representation on your part, okay? And, and once again, if you're going to try to justify your, your use or your accusation of Calvinists being fatalists by trying to dig really deep and find these basic connections of, well, things are determined, I have already shown how I can do the same thing of your view. Now, the next sort of definition, it's more of a paragraph that I'm going to read here, comes out of a Britannica.com, and they have a page on fatalism. So let me read through this, and the first part says, Fatalism is the attitude of mind which accepts whatever happens as having been bound or decreed to happen. Ooh, wow, we have the word decree there. Now we're getting a little more familiar, aren't we? Such acceptance may be taken to imply belief in a binding or decreeing agent. So finally, we actually have a definition that's going to sort of include the possibility that someone is doing the, uh, the determining here. The development of this implication can be found in ancient Greek and Roman mythology with its personification of fate. Um, it then says later doctrines of fatalism may be des- described loosely as synonyms with determinism, but it is useful to make a distinction. And I would say absolutely is, right? Once again, it even says loosely as synonymous with determinism. Why? Because once again, if you want to go through and just show a basic connection of things being determined or quote-unquote inevitable, I suppose you can do that. But as this says, it's useful to make a distinction. Whereas determinism can be represented as compatible with moral responsibility, fatalism properly understood would reduce practical ethics to nothing but advice that humans should resign themselves indifferently to the course of events. Right? And that is once again what I'm getting at. The fatalistic attitude that, well, it's just going to happen, so you resign yourself to the inevitable. Right? Next definition comes from collinsdictionary.com. Never heard of that one, but it's top 10 Google, so we're going to read it real quick. Fatalism is a feeling that you cannot control events or prevent unpleasant things from happening, especially when this feeling stops you from making decisions or making an effort. Once again, a very common definition that I would argue sparks in most people's minds when they hear the idea of fatalism is that you can't control anything, you can't prevent the bad things from happening, and this fatalistic outlook on life can result in you not uh, making decisions or making an effort. Once again, any honest person cannot even begin to apply that concept uh, to Calvinism. And for those of you, once again, who would say, ah, but that might not be what you claim to believe, but this is the, the implications of your view, is, is this fatalistic outlook on life is, well, if, if Calvinism were true, this, this is how people should think. Why can't I then flip that once again right back on you? When, when you believe that, that God is determining particular things, right? I mean, I can ask any Christian, does God win in the end? A- every Christian is going to say yes. God wins in the end. Okay, well, why are, you try- why are you doing anything? Why are you preaching the gospel? Why are you fighting against evil? Why are you doing anything if God wins in the end, right? So you see how easy that is to flip? Every Christian needs to address that, that, that answer. So 
you would point back at me and say, no, 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 you don't get to have that fatalistic attitude that just because God will win in the end, and we know that to be true, you don't just get to start making assumptions like, I don't need to try, or I don't need to combat evil, or I don't need to preach the gospel. That's wrong of you to do that. Well, if it's wrong for me to do that, then it's wrong for you to try to imply that of Calvinism as well. That if Calvinism were true, therefore we shouldn't try, and we shouldn't preach the gospel, and we shouldn't combat evil. This goes both ways. And I've always found it funny that non-Calvinists are forced to admit by the Bible. The Bible forces them to admit that there are, in fact, some things that are predetermined, and destined, and inevitable, and sure to come to pass, and fixed, or however, fixed in advance, however you want to word it. Non-Calvinists are forced to admit that some things are. But they claim that, that Calvinists go too far when we say that all things are. Right? This is a very, a very common thing coming from the free will side. But which view actually fits the idea of fatalism in these definitions more accurately? Is it a view where only some events are predetermined, while other things like your free will choices are not predetermined? Does that fit fatalism? According to these definitions, it fits it quite nicely. Rather than the view where all things, including your choices, are predetermined and part of the picture. I would actually argue that a free will worldview fits the idea of fatalism far better than a full-blown deterministic worldview ever could, based on these definitions, once again. Next definition comes from vocabulary.com, and rather than fatalism, it's actually fatalist. And it says a fatalist is someone who feels that no matter what he or she does, the outcome will be the same because it's predetermined. Fatalists share a sense of being powerless to change the world. So again, here we have a, a very basic definition of this attitude or feeling that because something's predetermined, then it's going to happen no matter what you do, and you don't even need to bother trying, right? The outcome's going to be the same no matter what you do. The determinist says the outcome is the way it is precisely because of what you do. There's all the difference in the world there. So once again, to accuse Calvinists of being fatalists is not honest or accurate by these definitions. And the last definition I'm going to read comes from Oxford Languages, and it just says the belief that all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable. Once again, this is one of the closer definitions. Again, if you want to try to draw some sort of connection by pointing out that Calvinists believe that all things are inevitable. But once again, I have to stress that it just says all events. And if you don't define events, then it's very easy to once again take a fatalistic I have demonstrated consistently through definitions here that there is a fatalistic attitude. There's such a thing as a fatalistic attitude. When you don't define events as including human effort, human choices, human actions, then you can still say all events, right? Starting with yourself and looking out in the world, you can still say that all events are predetermined, therefore inevitable, and conclude with a fatalistic attitude that your actions don't matter, that they're not part of the picture, right? So even this de definition might sound good to people and say, aha, that's Calvinism. It's not for so many reasons. You're drawing a basic connection, not realizing, once again, it's leaving out God, it's leaving out purpose, it's leaving out rhyme or reason. It's leaving out causality and the fact that events might be determined, but why or how do they come about? What's the determinative connection between one event to the next thing? And what is the role of human choice? And again, determinists, determinism would con would include human choice in the events that are predetermined. So now let's flip over to 
a couple definitions of determinism. And I just want you guys to see the clear, very clear difference between these two things, right? You might want to consider them synonyms and try to provide yourself with excuses for accusing Calvinists of being fatalists. But really, if you wanted to be accurately representing our position, you should be using the term determinist or determinism. So the first definition coming from Oxford languages is the doctrine that all events, including human action, right? Including human action are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. Some philosophers have taken determinism to imply that individual human beings have no free will and cannot be held morally responsible for their actions. Now, I would obviously deny that last part, that you can't be held morally responsible. I've justified that, laid it out in previous episodes. But I would most certainly conclude that determinism excludes the idea of free will. right? But notice something. All things, including human action, are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. And I have no problem uh, affirming this as a Calvinist. I believe that your will certainly exists. You make choices. You think thoughts. You take actions. Right? You have a part in reality. But the point is that you don't transcend that reality. You are part of it. Right? You are part of the intricate chain of causes and effects that make up reality, that make up this universe. And so right away you can notice the major difference in, in these two definitions of fatalism and determinism because determinism is including human action and it's mentioning causes, causality, right? And it's mentioning the fact that it's all connected. Next definition of determinism comes out of Britannica. So we're going to go through a couple of sites that we've already quoted from fatalism and you'll see that there's a reason there's different definitions. The words are different. Determinism in philosophy is the theory that all events, including moral choices, right? Notice how every definition of determinism is including human choices and actions. All events, including moral choices, are completely determined by previously existing causes, right? Completely different definition, right? Fatalism mentioned nothing about, most of the time, nothing about human action being part of what's determined. It was actually driving a wedge between what's determined and human action and saying that they're not related. This makes human action part of the picture, and it says it's determined by previously existing causes. It, it, tra it, it allows you to make human action part of the picture, and any event that you're going to look at can be traced backwards in reality, previously existing causes. And so determinism and definitions of determinism point out a connection, a causal connection between these events. Britannica then says determinism is usually understood to exclude the idea of free will because it entails that humans cannot act other than the way that they do. And I absolutely affirm this. I've done so and I've laid it all out in past episodes, right? The idea of determinism, right? Given specific situations, you could not have done other than what you did because you, you did what you did for specific reasons. On and on and on. But notice something. Here we have determinism being defined and mentioning free will, right? Not one single definition that, that we quoted of fatalism mentioned free will. Not one single definition that we quoted of, of, of fatalism said that, well, if fatalism is true, free will can't be true. And as I pointed out at the very beginning of the episode, that's because, ironically, fatalism is the only viewpoint which actually allows for free will. Because fatalism is teaching that human effort is not connected to the events that are happening. 
Next definition of determinism from Merriam-Webster is the theory or doctrine that acts of the will, there's your human choice again, being included in the definition, acts of the human will, occurrences in nature, or social or psychological phenomena are causally determined by preceding events or natural laws. Again, I'm just being repetitive at this point. Notice the difference in the definitions, right? Determinism includes human actions. And the reason I stress the importance of recognizing human actions when we're talking about any particular issue, um, you, we can just go right down the line with all sorts of categorical things, right? The Bible says, for example, that God is going to clothe us and feed us, right? So what attitude, this is what, what's so important, what attitude should we have regarding things like that? God's going to feed us and clothe us. Well, uh, fatalism fatalistic attitude would say, well, if that's true, if God's going to feed me and clothe me, then I don't need to do anything, right? If he's going to feed me, it's going to happen no matter what. If he's going to clothe me, it's going to happen no matter what. I don't need to go out and do anything. I don't need to, for example, earn money, right, to buy my food or my clothing, right? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. What will be, will be, right? But the determinist says, wait a minute, if it is true that God will clothe us and feed us, then how we are clothed and fed is also part of the picture, and that can and does most certainly include my efforts and actions, right? God being in control of all these things does not make my efforts meaningless or irrelevant. It's actually just the opposite. God's control of all things establishes and makes my efforts meaningful, right? And this all simply comes down to the attitude and the outlook that we have on things being determined, right? And once again, the only thing that determinism and fatalism have in common is events or things being determined. But whether it's all events, whether it includes human action, and the attitude that we have regarding those things is what makes the two things so different, right? And, you know, just more categorical, categorical examples. What about the idea of God healing people? Right? Have you have you ever prayed for someone to be healed? Maybe even yourself to be healed? I know I have. Right? But some people have sadly concluded that because because of a, a fatalistic mindset, they've assumed that well, if God's going to heal me, He's going to heal me. Right? We don't. I don't need to do anything. What will be will be. I don't need medicine or doctors or surgeons. If God wants me to be healed, He's going to heal me. Right? But a deterministic mindset looks at the same situation that God does heal people and may in fact heal me. It looks at the same situation and says, what if God's healing of me is by means of medicine or by means of doctors or by means of surgeons? You can look, you can have, you can have two different mindsets looking at the same fact that something's determined and yet have two completely different um, attitudes towards that particular thing. One views the events that lead up to that thing as being completely meaningful, whereas the other view views them as being completely meaningless and irrelevant. And those two mindsets are going to drastically affect the way that we live our lives. Right? It's going to affect, as Christians, whether or not we combat evil or strive to fight our own sin, right? our own sanctification, whether or not we preach the gospel. So my primary point in, in making this relatively brief episode on, uh, on fatalism, my point is not that you can't make some general basic connections 
to some of the definitions of fatalism and some of the ideas of Calvinism, right? My point is, are you being fair and accurate to the position as a whole by using that word? Right? And I think most people know the, the, the overall fatalistic mindset that all these definitions have put forth. They know that by using that word, that is what they're going to spark in people's minds. And that is why I consider the accusation of fatalism to be unfair and dishonest. And again, if you're going to try to justify your, your accusations of fatalism against Calvinism, you're going to try to justify that by trying to make these very basic connections. I've already demonstrated how I can do the exact same thing to your view. Free will or not, I can find some very basic definitions of fatalism that I could apply to your worldview as well. The question is, would it be fair for me to do that? Would it be honest for me to do that? Another massively important thing to point out in the difference between these two mindsets, right, the fatalistic mindset versus the deterministic mindset, is the fact that at the end of the day, we don't know the future, right? So let's, let's assume for a moment that, that Calvinism is true, that the future is fixed, right? That things are predestined, predetermined, fated, inevitable, whatever word you want to use. Let's just pretend for a moment that that's true. We then need to ask, which is the proper mindset to have given that fact, right? After all the definitions we've read, we don't know what the future is. We don't, we don't know the future, right? Especially when it comes to whatever major event you want to point to, when you're going to die, um, who's going to be saved, when they're going to be saved, whatever it is you want to point to, we don't know the future. And so which mindset provides a proper way to look at how we should be living our lives in light of the fact that we don't know the future. And if you notice, all the definitions of fatalism are centered around this idea that, well, since it's going to happen, I don't need to try. The determinist mindset, on the other hand, says, well, since it's going to happen, maybe I'm a part of why it happens, and I should try. A fatalistic mindset says, well, God's given me all these commands, but if the future is also fixed, then whether or not I obey these commands is irrelevant. But a, a deterministic mindset says, since God has given me all of these commands, my obedience or disobedience, in certain instances, must also therefore play a part in the future of what God has determined. Because God uses these things to bring about what he's determined. It's all part of the picture. So you can just go all the way down the line and, 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 and see the, the, the stark difference between a fatalistic mindset and a, deter, a deterministic mindset, okay? And all I'm getting at here is when you throw an accusation of fatalism around, you are implying to your hearers, the people who are hearing you give that accusation, you are applying a fatalistic mindset. So I want to end this episode by coming back to the primary question, are Calvinists fatalists? And answer by saying no, and here's why. When you accuse someone of being something, it's more than just pointing out that they're recognizing a, a particular aspect or a portion of a definition of a word, right? So if I were to point out, for example, that there's all sorts of things that have happened in my life or are happening on the other side of the planet right now, or are happening 10 galaxies away right now, that I am literally powerless to stop. There's things that are going to happen no matter what I do, right? 
it's a fact of reality, right? So does my recognition of that make me a fatalist? If, if it does, everybody's a fatalist, right? I, I think the answer is no. What would make me a fatalist is if I take that knowledge and it has a, an impact on my attitude and my, my mentality towards particular situations, right? So it's really obvious when you point out things that you can't possibly have anything to do with. We just sort of throw those aside, even though they fit the definitions, right? Things are fated to happen and you're powerless to stop them. It fits the definitions. But but really what we're, what we're focused on are things that you can have an effect on, potentially, or things that you can change, right? Fatalists, a fatalist would assume and have a mentality of, re- of resignation, as some of these definitions even said, that since things are in fact determined, therefore I don't need to try, right? So s- the reason that Calvinists aren't fatalists is this is not our mindset, right? Once again, determinists believe that all things are determined. And even if you could argue that fatalists believe that all things are determined, literally all things, you're still not addressing the difference in the mindset of those two views. That is the ultimate thing I'm getting across here. And in my opinion, it's not enough for you to point out a simple commonality of, oh, look, Calvinists believe that things are determined and some definitions of fatalism mention things being determined. Therefore, Calvinists are fatalists, right? Or even the idea of being powerless to stop something. Um, There's plenty of things that we're all powerless to stop. That doesn't make us fatalists. What would make us fatalists is an application of the fatalistic mindset to our lives and our actions. The, oh, woe is me, I don't even need to try, what will happen, what will happen, so why bother? If that was what Calvinism would put, would put was putting forth, then we would be fatalists. So all I'm getting at here at the end of the day is, Calvinists are not fatalists. You might be able to point out some general connections and call it, I guess, if you really want to, fatalistic. But in my opinion, that's as far as you could go. And the idea of things in, in, in the Calvinistic worldview being quote-unquote fatalistic, I've already demonstrated I can point out all sorts of fatalistic aspects of everybody's worldview. Right? Everybody's worldview is going to have fatalistic aspects to it. That does not make them fatalists, does it? Right? No, it doesn't. There's a difference between being having aspects of, of fatalistic aspects to a, to a particular view and being a fatalist, right? Living that mindset. And Calvinists do not live that mindset. So at the end of the day, guys, those of you who, after hearing this, are going to insist on going forward and still calling and accusing Calvinists of being fatalists, you need to ask yourself a question. Are you really being honest? Because you know that some people might not even know what fatalism is. And they'll go Google fatalism and they'll see the definitions I just read. Are you seriously, are you comfortable with knowing that they will come away thinking because of your accusation that Calvinists are fatalists, that they have that fatalistic mindset that, well, well, God's just determined everything, so we don't need to try. When that's so clearly not an aspect of Calvinism at all. In fact, we constantly argue against it. We boldly claim, or at least I do, that we are determinists. Yes, all things are determined. They have a causal connection, including your actions. But I pointed out through this entire episode how determinism does not invoke an attitude of resignation. 
it's actually just the opposite. Determinism invokes an attitude of resting assured and being sure that when you go and take actions, there are determinative results. You can, quote unquote, affect the future. Not in terms of ultimately changing it, but what you do has an effect on the future. And that mindset, right, that mindset of knowing, for example, as Christians, if we obey the commands of God, he it has determined and will be using that, right, to accomplish his purposes. When we preach the gospel, he has determined it, yes, but he is also using it to save people. And you just go all the way down the line. It's This is all based on mindset, guys. And I just absolutely reject the idea that Calvinism and the teachings of Calvinism necessitate a fatalistic mindset. They do not. They actually logically necessitate a deterministic mindset that you actually are part of the picture. And with one final point, um, some people will insist that, oh, well, if I just throw the word theological on the front of fatalism, then it's okay, right? Because now I'm making it very clear that God is involved, and so blah, blah, blah. Well, it's a step in the right direction, but once again, when you are faced with you know, addressing Calvinists as being theological fatalists or theological determinists, once again, the difference in the definitions of fatalism and determinism are still important. And you just need to ask yourself, are you being honest by using fatalism instead of determinism? And I think especially if you know, having known what I've pointed out and the difference in the definitions of this episode, you, it's impossible for you to go forward honestly using theological or whatever, theological fatalism versus theological determinism, when theological determinism is a far more accurate and honest representation of the view. So that's going to do it for this uh, particular episode on fatalism. I hope this has helped you guys understand the differences, the very important differences between fatalism and determinism, so that going forward when people accuse you of being a fatalist, you'll be uh, better equipped to handle those situations um, looking forward to the next episode. We're going to be responding to Leighton Flowers again. He just put out an episode that accuses Calvinism of being bafflingly inconsistent. So I figure what better fit for the consistent Calvinism podcast than to respond to an episode that accuses Calvinism of being bafflingly inconsistent. So looking forward to that one. I'm going to get started on that one as soon as possible. Thanks again, guys. If you're enjoying this, please spread it around and we'll try to keep it going.